Justify Prove to be right or reasonable Justification is at the heart of all legal and political argument But at a time when argument itself is slave to appearances It is time to bring back a culture of justification Justify A podcast on law and politics in India From the Vidhi Center for Legal Policy Hosted by Orgho Sen Gupta State elections have always been scrappy battles in India, usually pitting a commanding regional party against a more well-organized and older national party. It's now established wisdom that people vote very differently for their chief minister than they would for the prime minister. But is it personality alone that drives elections, apart from, of course, the traditional cocktail of caste and clan? What about the key development and social issues in the state that matter? And surely for a democracy where governments are voted in to pass laws that would make lives of citizens easier, surely the lawmaking record of state governments should also matter, maybe a little bit. In season three of Justify, coterminous with elections in several major states in India, we look into the lawmaking record of state governments and drill down to one law or implementation of a law, which is a bellwether issue for the state. This is, of course, in addition to our regular programming, where we talk about the most contested law and policy issues in India at the moment. Today, we turn to Goa. In the imagination of most Indians, a tropical paradise. But in the images, sorry, but in the image of Goans themselves, perhaps a more contested place called home. The 7th Goa Vidhan Sabha functioned from 14th March 2017, it's just getting over now, and it was led for the, by the BJP, first by its most prominent Goan face, Manohar Parikar, as Chief Minister, and then after his untimely demise, by Pramod Sawant. It was a narrowly cobbled together majority, as most majorities in Goa tend to be. 21 acts were passed by the legislature in this time, including major amendment acts. Notable amongst these were the Goa Private Universities Act that provides easier registration to private universities in the state, the Goa Clinical Establishments Registration Act that regulates hospitals, and the Goa Mopa Airport Development Authority Act, which for several of us who visit Goa regularly will be a lifesaver if we want to go to North Goa. But if there is one act that has been very contested, and critical to people's lives, even though it's kind of flown under the radar, that's the Goa Mineral Development Corporation Act 2021, which has established a new public sector unit, the Goa Mineral Public, the Goa Mineral Development Corporation, to restart mining in Goa, which has remained halted by several decisions of the Supreme Court owing to large-scale illegalities in mining in Goa. Why is this act so significant? And how has mining affected the fabric of society in Goa? And will it have a major impact on the elections? To dive deep into mining in Goa, we are in discussion today with Claude Alvarez, the executive director of the Goa Foundation, an environment action group that has been involved in activism on environmental issues in India and led the charge against illegal mining in the state. Welcome, Claude. Let me start by asking you a question on your journey. Your journey in the Supreme Court started in 2012. It's almost been a decade since you filed that PIL based on the MB Shah committee uh, report on illegal mining. Your journey in the High Court has been, has been much older, about two decades. How has this journey been? And do you think that it has been able to make impact in stopping illegal mining in the state? 
Well, that needs to be corrected. It's not 10 years. We began in 1992 before the High Court. Right. And we were before the High Court for, for, um, for 20 years. And it's only after that, because we couldn't get any, any redress uh, in the High Court, that when we got the opportunity, which arrived with the Justice Shah uh, Commission's report on illegal mining in Goa, that's when we, we found that this was the occasion to, to strike and we moved to the Supreme Court directly uh, because after all the commission was headed by a former Supreme Court uh, justice. And um, we did something very unusual after that. After filing that petition, we went back to the High Court and withdrew, withdrew 18 of our petitions, which were pending from 1992 at different times before the High Court for relief. And when the High Court was very upset saying, why are you withdrawing these petitions? We said, we came before you, we've been before you for several decades, but you have not granted us relief. Now the Supreme Court has granted a stay of, of, uh, of mining in the state of Goa. And, um, and so we've got the relief and therefore we are withdrawing all these petitions. And uh, we spent a, a good deal of time over the next two, three months after that withdrawing all those petitions. So it's, it's been a long battle to try and get environment norms enforced in the state of Goa as far as the mining industry is concerned, because it's been a sacred cow in a certain sense, and nobody wants to touch mining in that sense. And most high court judges were very reluctant to interfere uh, with the mining sector for some reason or the other, which we could never fathom. So tell us uh, your experience in the Supreme Court. Uh, of course, you've got some, several favorable orders. Uh, but there always seemed to be a legislative follow-up that seems to seemed to delay the implementation of some of those orders. So, so how has that experience in the Supreme Court over the last ten years, particularly the victories where the Supreme Court put a halt to all mining in Goa? How how do you see that order? Well, it's been an upward movement there also because we uh, we we first got the the. Um, an order from the Supreme Court that was in 2014, 21st of April, which based on our first petition, uh, which was filed in 2012 in the wake of the Justice Shah Commission report. In that first judgment, the Supreme Court declared uh, all mining activity from 2007 to 2012 as illegal. That means it had been carried out without the benefit of a valid mining lease. Uh, as a result of that, we have now moved the court for recovery of 65,000 crores uh, related to the five years uh, period declared illegal by the Supreme Court. But you know that uh, shortly thereafter, within, within the year, as a matter of fact, the uh, central government amended the uh, Mines and Minerals Development Act in January 2015. And uh, one of the good things it did in that, in that legislation was to abolish the uh, free grant of leases and substitute that with the uh, auctioning of all leases in future. Now that is, is, is a sort of a significant achievement, but what they tried to do by that same amendment was in a certain sense, try and grant certain permissions to the uh, mining industry to particularly those who were mining and who were indicted for illegal mining, they tried to give them some uh, sort of quasi-approvals for continuing mining, say, till 2020 or 2030. And some of the mining leases claim that the amendments actually entitle them 
to uh, to extend their lease up to 2037 as far as the yeah. state of goa is exactly as a so, matter of fact they yeah, they, they actually claimed they actually claimed in the supreme court vedanta claimed in the supreme court that justice lokur's second judgment cancelling the uh, grant of uh, second renewals uh, in in goa would actually operate only from 2037 That's right, and that Vedanta case, I believe, is still pending in the Supreme Court. That no, no, that's been dismissed. That's been dismissed. That one has been dismissed, but I feel there's there's some other case I was told that is still that is still pending. But you are absolutely right that when the second renewal was uh, struck down by Justice Lokur and Justice Deepak Gupta, and that brought a halt to all mining in Goa at that point of time. and since then all political parties have been on one voice saying that they want to restart mining because there is a there is a significant employment generator uh, and by your own study i saw that there are about 21000 people who are directly or indirectly affected by mining there's some other the government i mean in in the legislature pegged that number at 4000 but let's let's not get into numbers but there's a large number of people as who are dependent on mining so how do you see this goa mineral development corporation act which has been passed do you think that it gets us back onto a path of responsible mining or do you think this will again be uh, a kind of proxy for letting people in uh, with their unscrupulous practices well most people would be curious to to know why in goa there's uh, there's a sort of a proposal to set up uh, a, a mining corporation in the public sector when the general trend from 1992 is to actually privatize and to liberalize and uh, you know to get the government out of these things that's been a trend all over the country as a matter of fact though there are several i mean at least 12 states which have got these mineral development corporations but these corporations generally have um, uh been associated with with corruption and therefore there has been a sort of a drive to you know try and get private people into the trade the interesting example of goa is that goa has been under private mining from the very beginning mm. and the corruption in the private mining industry was far greater than what you would get in a public sector corporation led sort of initial so it's, the that's, that's, it's the lesser it's devil. the lesser devil it's the lesser devil and it's a, it's a lesser devil because in the private except for for vedanta which being was forced to put up its accounts on the on the website on their website um all the others who were involved in mining in goa just don't have any disclosure of the quantities they mine what they make out of mining what is the amount they pay on salaries what is the deductions they do what are the taxes they pay not a single one of the mining companies and these holders in goa has they ever declared that type of but do you think that sorry to interrupt you but do you think that that's a problem because there was no law uh, but or that the law was not implemented because obviously there is a there is a law that regulates mining in the country there is a national law that regulates mining in the country which requires certain forms of obligations on these mining companies so do you think it's because of a lack of political will to implement that in goa that's the problem or is it the fact that there was a law like the goa mineral development corporation act that was missing well that's a little bit difficult question to answer because the 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 uh, you are right there was a mineral mines and minerals development regulation act which is actually quite stringent in everything but as with as our experience with with laws in india there are laws there are excellent laws 
but there are forces which are able to immobilize the implementation of those laws. And Justice Shah, just to give you an example, Justice Shah says very categorically in his report, and this is not disputed at all, that the Department of Mines was explicitly instructed by the government not to visit the mining areas during the period of the Chinese boom. So they were told, stay in your offices because we don't want anybody nosy parking around in these mining areas because a lot of people are making a lot of money and obviously that money is being shared with the political groups. And therefore there was an explicit order, don't go to any mining area. That means don't go to see whether anybody's following the law because it's the assumption is that nobody is going to be following the law because everybody is making windfall gains. We are participating in that, in that, in that, you know, in those windfall gains. And therefore, we don't want any over overseeing of what is happening there. So there was actually the government, forget about them not implementing, the government actually decided not to implement the Mineral Act during those years, which led to a phenomenal amount of illegal mining on the books. So what makes you feel that it will be any different with this new bill? Because I was looking through the provisions of the bill. One, it seems to be kind of a templated legislation which they have copy-pasted from other states. There were some new You're ideas. Right. There were some new ideas that you had in terms of a citizen's dividend, which I thought was, was an interesting idea if you are really thinking about mines as natural resources, as the Supreme Court said, which the government only holds as a trustee for the general public, then the general public should get a share of those revenues. But those kinds of new concepts don't exist. Instead, there are provisions which, one, make the Mineral Development Corporation create a kind of sole monopoly uh, in terms of who can operate mines. But it also has an interesting provision where it allows private sector operators uh, to come in almost as either sub lessees or subcontractors, and we'll see how that plays out. Um, which uh, one gives me the impression that it could be business as usual. Um, number one, maybe we need private sector operators to operate, but maybe they'll operate in exactly the same way as they did before. And number two, given the composition of the body uh, itself, the composition of the body is is uh, solely government and government or government appointed with the chief minister as the head. Uh, so why do you think that uh, it will be any different this time? And especially because I saw that the Goa Foundation has has cautiously welcomed this uh, development, whereas several other organizations seems, seem to have a different view. Well, I don't know. We should go a little bit into the circumstances of this bill and why it came to be. First of all, you must remember that all 40 MLAs in both the assemblies, earlier assembly and this one, moved a resolution, unanimous resolution, to the central government, asking for the mining leases to be given back to the former leaseholders. So there is a consensus among all the elected legislators that, that the private mining industry should still be allowed predominant sway in the business of mining in the state of Goa. This, this is a sort of a consensus because the mining industry really owns them. They, they have access to all of them. And there are at least eight to nine constituencies which are squarely in the mining belt. And they've got very influential five or six MLAs which come from there. And those five or six MLAs, whoever they are, invariably make a lot of money from mining. And you can see their, their, their records which they have filed for the election purposes 
they go, they will go up from a few lakhs to a few crores, and then it goes up to 25 crores and 60 crores and things like that. So they make a lot of, you know, they it, it, they've got a real interest in it because they have seen that it's a, it's a good business. It's a good business, and if you are a politician, then it's even better business. So in this point of view, to 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 get a corporation act passed through the assembly. Uh, as far as we are concerned, was still something that we could not have dreamed of. Mm. Because the, the context is different. I mean, it's, it's, the, the assembly is not saying set up a corporation. The assembly is saying, let's go back to the old deals. Mm. And this they have done, as I said, in both assemblies, the earlier, earlier assembly, which was dominated by Parikar and then afterwards the new ones or whatever. So it's, it's, there's, there's unanimous consensus on that. So the, why does the government bring in this? Because the, of course, one of the people who proposed this is, is the Goa Foundation. But we propose it under a different schema. We say that you set up this corporation, hand over all the leases or the leased areas to the corporation under a specific order. You've got to spa, pass a specific order under Section 17.8.2, which says that the areas in Goa which have got minerals have to be are now henceforth reserved for the Goa Mineral Development Corporation. That order till today has not been passed. Even as a matter of fact, even though the Mineral Corporation Act has been passed till today, it's not the corporation has not been set up. That's right. There's no notification to that effect. The rules, even for fair framing of this corporation, have, you know, are still in the draft stage. So, but whatever they have passed still is a little bit better than the present situation. Because what happens is when you have a public sector corporation, you you it comes under a different regulatory regime, it comes under a, a different type of oversight. Um, there is also a CAG. There are, um, you know, all sorts of bodies looking at it. You know, all their records have to be produced in the assembly. Um, people can then have a look at it. And if you've got access to MLAs who can look at the data critically, then uh, you can, you know, put in uh, certain things. There is also in this particular act, there are provisions for, for people to file, uh, to file suits against the corporation, provided uh, they do it within six months and after giving two months notice. So, there are a few things like that which we think are a little bit better than what was there before. No, sure. There are obviously virtues of a public corporation yes. rather than leaving it to the to to the private sector on its own. Of course, the dangers of a regulatory capture of a public corporation still exist, and that is, of course, we everyone has to be on their guard to uh, to prevent that from happening. Uh, but uh, but help me explain one thing. Uh, the fact is that uh, if we look at the records as in mining happens in Goa, as you rightly said, in, in some parts of South Goa and one or two small parts of North Goa, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and that's certainly not the large proportion of the state as in the, and it's, it's a significant proportion, but not a large proportion. And according to my estimation, it was about six or seven constituencies uh, where mining is, is major. Now, given that, and while I can understand those constituencies being fully under the sway of, of the mining companies, how is it that the, the mining companies seem to be uh, ensuring a, a widespread consensus in the assembly uh, on, this, on, on this kind of issue? Well, I don't think it's, it's in that sense, it's, it's very difficult sometimes to get a consensus in the assembly. For example, if you look at the two earlier instances, one was about the fishing ban. There was a ban on, on, on fishing in the state of Goa to allow the fish to regenerate and so on. And uh, there was a time period given 
and the assembly all the 40 members of the assembly came out with uh, with a decision to overthrow the uh, the uh, judgment of the bombay high court this is one particular case and, uh, and that's again uh, so you would say the fishing industry is a powerful industry but it's still it's along the western coast it's not in the interior or whatever a second one where this thing happened was in the case of the of the siddhartha goa hotel which uh, went in for a demolition because of a supreme court order Hmm. but then the siddhartha goa owners were well, very they are also miners uh, they were able to inf influence the assembly to amend the land acquisition act back to 1894 hmm. in order to save the hotel and they succeeded in doing this hmm. so i don't think that it's a, it's a very difficult and that's my worrying thing that if you are a very good organized group you can move the assembly and you can get the the legislators to uh, to 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 pass a law or to amend a law or to do something which is in your interest because these are these are powerful actors see in the year 2012 when mining was at its maximum when we exported close to 55 million tons and the supreme court now has kept it down at 20 million tons but imagine 55 million tons the turnover was 22000 crores and the budget of the goa government was was 6000 crores and these people have got the goa mineral association goa mining association the goa mineral ore exporters association they've got all the assets they own all the principal assets in the state of goa the hotels and so on so so forth the whether it's a marriott or you know um, uh, many other uh, infrastructures and hotels and so on if you look at if you look at the cloud that they have the lobbies that they have they, they have got actually the goa mineral foundation which is actually a lobby group for them and so many other groups then where does where does the public the general public appear in all this the public general is, is a dis, disaggregated you know group of citizens who really don't see mining in a day to day basis because the bulk of them 80% of the population which is non mining is congregated in the coastal belt and okay. only 20% is in the mining belt so you can see if look at that dynamics you can see that uh, they they do have phenomenal financial power but most of that financial power is now migrated to the cayman islands or to singapore or wherever it is but they have that power to be able to influence the legislator uh, legislators and to bring whatever things they they want on the cards and they are the ones who have actually mind you been able to resist the corporation idea for quite a long time they have, they have, they have been putting in advertisements in the newspapers and so on absolutely absolutely so actually while it is a great success to have this corporation pass as a, i still as a view it with some degree of suspicion if 40 as a legislators who uh, are obviously uh, greatly under the sway of the mining lobby also decide to pass a legislation like this it does uh, leave some uh, room for ongoing concern but but i think there's a very important point here of uh, regulatory capture and capture of legislator by you know an all powerful lobby which as you said is is one a big employment generator true uh, and two also just very wealthy uh, and here actually i'd like to ask you an institutional question because the goa foundation obviously has been in this for decades and uh, and as you've said that you fr frequently used courts uh, for trying to get relief uh sometimes it has succeeded sometimes it hasn't it's been a mixed record but would you say that given that you are at it's core uh, an environmental action group that is 
a grassroots organization that's bottom up as in do you think that the real battle lies in ultimately in getting our legislators to think differently and in a more balanced way about mining now i know this might sound a bit idealistic as a question given where people are but given the fact that it's not really feasible that every time there's a problem uh, in the, in a taluka and goa and you have to run to the supreme court uh it's it's not a sustainable solution so do you think that as a foundation which has successfully used courts do you think that ultimately getting legislators to see reason and get adopt a balanced approach uh is an advocacy tactic that should be considered both by you as well as several other activist groups which do go to court very quickly no that's the obvious way to move forward i i when you said we use the courts we don't use the courts we approach the courts <laughs> but basically uh, we don't have that expertise of approaching approaching legislators because it is assumed that the legislators and the executive have failed and therefore we have gone to the courts but what you are saying is is extremely important because the change doesn't have to come at the state government level it has to actually come at the central government level it is the mmdr act is is an inheritance from the from the old colonial you know way of looking at minerals all over the world and in some places things have changed like in norway and many other places where sovereign funds have come up and so on where people have realized that that what you get from wealth what we call the common wealth that is what you call minerals which are owned by everybody all the people technically the citizens of the state own those minerals and therefore if they do own the minerals then how come do you have an act like the mmdr act which is completely contrary the 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 uh, if you really accept that minerals are the patrimony just like forests and beaches and the water and the air all these are a patrimony they are they are part of the common heritage of mankind or of the people of this country and therefore the concept of you know trustees and looking after it in that particular way then how do you have these type of legislation and and isn't it time that we change this and that's what we are trying to look at whether there is a possibility of trying to amend or to transform the mmdr act into a different type of a legislation which reflects what is there in the national mineral policy of 2018 which very clearly states that minerals are a shared inheritance and there should be zero loss because if i own if i have 10 tolas of gold and i sell it i'm not going to settle for 5% of the sale value of the gold i want 99.9% and this is what happens in general so why doesn't that apply to minerals as well why doesn't it apply to bauxite and why doesn't it apply to minerals like uh, iron ore and and petroleum and uh, and coal all these are owned by the people of a particular state they are not owned by the union iron ore for example as per the mmdr act is owned by the people of goa so if somebody is going to benefit from the sale of the ore it must be the people of goa it cannot be a few individuals and the act does not guarantee that today only a corporation can do so and as you said in the very beginning that's the most disappointing part of the goa mineral development corporation act that it only deals with the business of mining it doesn't deal with the business of mining 
of, of, of a resource that is owned by the people of the state. And therefore, the whole exercise of who will benefit from this, what will happen to the resource that is generated from the sale of the minerals, that's not dealt with in the act at all. It's just a normal corporation. I make some money. The government can plunder the corporation whenever it wants for, for, for you know, budgetary purposes or whatever it is. And, uh, well, uh, whatever little, you know, income is there and all, that's good for the state, but nothing beyond. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that really hits the nail on the head and, and, and sort of articulates what I've been thinking about the act as I've been reading it, is that uh, it's a step in the right direction, for sure. Uh, but what is actually needed is that uh, a change in philosophy, in mindset of legislators and ultimately the people uh, who may not be even directly affected uh, by mining to consider that this is actually their resource, that this is our resource and this is this cannot be the wealth of, of only a few. Uh, but let me let me move on to one issue which has which I think Goa is a good flashpoint for is that we all talk about sustainable development. And sustainable development, I think mining in Goa is actually a very good uh, test case for what sustainable development means in practice. Because on the one hand, as I said a little earlier in the conversation, uh, there are uh, numbers in terms of 4,000 numbers, 4,000 people who are involved in mining. The Goa Foundation said that there are 21,873 people direct and indirect who are involved in mining. And the Indian Institute of Technology, Indian School of Mines, which was funded by a study that was funded by the Goa Mineral Ore Export Association, said 2,50,000 livelihoods are dependent on mining. Whatever the number is, it's a large number of people who are dependent on mining in one way or the other, directly those who are mining, as well as truckers and transporters, logistics, and so on and so forth, the economy around it. On the other hand, the Indian, the Central Coastal Agricultural Research Institute in Goa in, so, in a recent soil testing in Mayam said that the soil is strongly acidic. And farmers based in Mayam have said that though they were asked to double the use of fertilizer, the output still does not exceed 40%. Um, and there are, as I was reading stories in Monga Bay, on, in, in Korem village in, in, in the South Goa, there are about 2000 families whose farms have been destroyed by illegal mines. And every farmer you speak to, is particularly paddy cultivators, are talking about how mining has, has really destroyed the fertility of the soil. So on the one hand, you obviously have mining, which is an employment generator, which has now stopped. And, and on the other, as in you, you have mining, which is destroying the soil. And obviously, we need to find a balance. So in, in your view, where does this balance lie and how do we try and ensure that mining is carried out in a way that maintains the environmental sanctity of Goa, which all of us in various parts of the country find the most beautiful state in the country, while also ensuring that it does not only remain a tourist paradise, but is also a place that uh, farmers uh, and people can call home. So how can people generate employment out of this tropical paradise? Where does this balance lie? Well, actually, mining destroyed a lot of employment. All the farmers and their fields and all those people who lived in mining areas, they, were, they, were, they had uh, livelihoods before mining came in there in a big way. But, but surely it created mining, some new livelihoods as well, right? It does. It does. But I'm saying it, it created livelihoods in terms of truck drivers and people who own garage mechanics, people who run restaurants, repair units and things like that. And these are dependent jobs. They are not, you know, self-sufficient jobs in the sense that people, when they do farming, they are in a certain sense autonomous individuals. 
they, 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 are, they are independent in many ways. They are also independent in the way they think and so on. But once they get into a dependency situation, then it, it becomes a problem even for the state. Well, it's not the problem generally with, with the farming community, which is generally you know, independent in, in many ways. So the quality of employment did change. And uh, uh, one of the things that is not really highlighted is the amount of work that was generated by mining, which really went to people who are not people of the state at all. For example, the entire trucking industry was in the end the drivers all came from Uttarakhand or Chhattisgarh or wherever it is. And all the management, the top management in the mining industry, whether the mines managers and so on, if you take any mining industry today and you look at their sheets, always the managers, the senior managers or whatever it is, all came from outside the state. They were from Andhra Pradesh or from Tamil Nadu or from some other state. So if you look at it, who did benefit really? People don't look very carefully at those things. You find that bulk of the income generated by mining, I'm looking at the opportunity, you know, the opportunities given, economic opportunities given by mining, went to categories of people who are really not even from Goa. Because the Goans themselves were not really enamored of these type of jobs. I mean, they don't want to work in polluting jobs. They don't want to really be truck drivers. They don't want to work in a mining pit and so on. And uh, it's, it's difficult work and the Goans are not accustomed them to that type of thing because they, have, they were not abjectly poor people compared to many other people in other states. I mean, they, have, they had their land, they had their houses, they had, a, you know, viable income and they had ways and means. They had cashew, they had, you know, their casual liquor, they had all sorts of other things which they have paid for so many years. So if you look at, if you break down that, you will find that the actual nitty gritty of people who really suffered were those who owned the assets. Now, the people who own the assets were the truck drivers. For example, the, the owners of all the trucks were Goans. They were, they were assisted by companies saying that, you know, we'll go to, you can go to the bank and you can, you can, we will guarantee to the bank that, you know, okay, you can give them a truck because we will give them a job and so on. So the mining, mining industry very cleverly transferred all their obligations for maintaining those trucks to a whole set of new owners. So... What happens is the mining industry is closed. The miner does not suffer, but the people who have invested in the trucks suffer. And if you look at the, the amount spent in the mining industry, we calculated that. If you go by the environment clearances where you are supposed to disclose what you have spent for investing in that particular mining lease, all the mining uh, lease holders spent about 620 crores together for the mining industry in world, 620 crores. When you calculated the ownership, the amount paid by the truck owners, that came to 1,400 crores. <laughs> and you put the barge owners, that came to another 800 crores. That's so the bulk of the money was actually 80 to 85% was spent by people from the state of Goa. When mining was stopped, they suffered because their assets nobody came to, to, to defend. Mine owners said, we have made enough money. One mine owner says, we have made enough money for 55 generations. And they transferred all that money to the to offshore accounts. And that's all come in the Panama Papers and so on. Hmm. So, and finally, when it came to resumption of mining, the mine owners had a very successful campaign to say, employment, employment, employment is the need of the hour. And therefore, we should restart mining where thousands of people are unemployed in the state of Goa. But they did not disclose the actual picture, which was who were the people displaced. All the truck owners uh, were suffering, 
but the truck drivers just left this day mining stopped and went back to jharkhand or to wherever where they whichever state they came from because they were all contract so you are essentially saying that this is not a sustainable development issue for goans because the fact is that the employment the benefits that accrued from mining were minimal in comparison to the environmental damage that it caused hmm. yes yes i mean even now the supreme court has looked at it very carefully and the supreme court said that you want to do some damage we cannot stop damage because that is the law you have to do mining mining is going to damage the environment but we can put a cap on it so the type of mining that was done you know is still today there's a very firm cap of 20 million tons yeah. and uh, and that's our only salvation we have asked for a we have filed an application to supreme court to bring the cap down to 12 million tons which is uh, you know the 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 amount that was produced for you know in the 90s and early you know to, to um, 2001 2002 whatever it is and that did not do significant damage it did damage but not significant damage to the environment and to keep it down to you know a few actors so that you can control what's happening it's so having yeah, so obviously output caps are a way and sort of stringent regulation yes. with some responsible players maybe entry barriers could be a way but of course as you've seen as in goa has a as a has a history of mining and and of course all the mining families right in the beginning were were all goan families right so as in as a football yes, lover yes. i used to hear of dempo and salgaonkar and i used to wonder as in how they have football clubs and of course Uh, it it comes from mining and these are all goan families yes. so so there will there will of course be be mining in goa but but with some degree of responsibility which one can hope will come from from locals more than than outsiders but uh, to my last question is that all political parties in we are now in election season and all political parties uh in the election have said that they want a resumption of mining in some shape or form or the other uh with some regulation and so on and so forth so given the fact that mining is such a bellwether issue in the state of goa at least as it appears to us outside uh how do you see this goa mineral development corporation pill uh affecting the fortunes of this of the various contestants in this election or do you think it has no impact at all i think it has no impact at all because it was that was just an election flank i don't think that uh, the 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 bjp government it really has intended to do anything with one, one of the significant things about the act is one of the functions of the act one of the three most important functions of the act is dealing with mining waste they very they are very clear that this corporation is going to be set up by us to deal with mining dumps but the leases are going to be given by us to private parties and this is very clear that's why the dmg is continuing the directorate of mines and geology will continue and the corporation will continue now if you really want to do something serious you would dismantle the dmg because it's it's really a white elephant that's right it's highly corrupt it's got all useless people there the director is an is officer who doesn't understand mining at all and also so you're setting up an close. autonomous if you're setting up an autonomous corporation then there is no point in duplicating that by keeping the directorate going yeah yes but it's very clear that the government uh, is going to keep that window open to entertain its guests and its friends and waste mining will be given over to the corporation and of course what it will achieve nobody really knows because there's no there's no there's no scheme there is you know just a few aims and objects that have been bandied about and as you said it's you know taken things from ready made from from other acts and just put them together and uh, it's not supposed to have any impact on the elections as a matter of fact 
the mining promises made by all the political parties are not expected to have any impact on the party. I think the BJP is a classic example. They were in power for all these years. They have got also the central government under their control. And if they are not able to restart mining in Goa legally, it means there is a problem. If they are not able to do it, there's not going to be any chance that the Congress is going to be able to do it because the Congress is still going to face a BJP government in Delhi. And the last problem occurred in 2012 because of, of differing governments. The, the BJP government suspended mining in Goa. The central government, which was under the Congress, um, you know, suspended all the ECs. Hmm. Now, once the environment clearances are suspended, the state government cannot do anything. That's right. Now, similarly, this is the same situation. If the Ahmadmi party comes to in power, they're not going to be able to restart mining in six months. So it's it's only you know electioneering that we will do so and the, but I think the mining public in the state of Goa is very well convinced that none of these parties has got a program and if they 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 are, they are coming out with these 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 policy statements only with a view to try and influence the electorate but I think the electorate is smarter than that. So I think this is the unfortunate nature of our politics that uh, that mining despite being such a major issue there is no concrete program that any political party can come up with in order to ensure that there is responsible mining and i think uh, uh, and that's unfortunate because what it means is then that the electorate tends to vote sometimes on on older issues of family and and you know religious divide and stuff like that uh, yes. which 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 then again come to the forefront and, and and personally speaking i would think that mining is is certainly a much more significant issue on which livelihoods depend uh, than than questions of religion and class and caste and what and yes. the usual issues uh, that 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 dominate elections uh, so one last question for you claude i had I had seen that you had given an interview in 2001, 11, sorry, where you had said that you were the Goa government's enemy number one. Uh, now that uh, it's been 10 years, uh, a decade has passed and the Goa Mineral Development Corporation bill is in some sense uh, something that you all had also asked for in a different form, but it seems to be a step in the right direction. Uh, how do you see future governments and their relation uh, with uh, activists and environmental groups like yourselves? Well, I think this scenario is not very, very good or promising because the, the, the attitude, you know, is percolating from the central government down. You know, the central government has gone all out to ensure complete demobilization of all NGOs. I mean, they have done, they have done it very speedily through the FCRA. That's and all groups which you know had funding to FCRA have all gone for a toss, and the very few groups you know which and are. And in Goa, do you see it's much of the same? Hmm. Uh, well, I don't know how many groups in Goa had FCRA accounts. The Goa Foundation never had an FCRA account, hmm. but uh, generally the effect has been to to ensure that you 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 don't listen to NGOs, you 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 suppress them in some way, you 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 torture them in some way and so on, which is I, I can't understand why this this has come through with uh, with the with the present uh, regime. Except I, I I must be fair. If you take the case of animals, animal welfare in the state of Goa, there the government probably because of Parikas, you know, 
pro intervention at that stage. Uh, they went out um, to to support animal welfare groups, and uh, there there is an actual policy where the the state government supports, which which is not there in other other states, actually supports animal welfare groups to do ABC programs with stray dogs and with animals and cows and off the streets and so on. So it's 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 I can't understand why that window works, but in most other windows they have actually interest in closing, and we have always been cooperative with the government. We have always said on mining. We are willing to come and talk to you. We are willing to come and discuss anything with you. And we had a long discussion with the Advocate General of the State, pursuant to directions of the Supreme Court. On the Goa Permanent Fund, we put in all our things there. We worked with this with the Central Empire Committee also on this. We have actually on the panel which was set up to to discuss the National Mineral Policy of 2018, and some of our inputs were taken there very seriously. So we have always remained collaborative because there's nothing. We are not saying that we are against mining. We are only saying do it in a proper way so that everybody benefits. That's right. That's and all think, that we are saying. Yeah, and I and I think that uh, if the country is to progress, then the three elements of the sarkar, the bazaar, and the samaj have to work closely with each other. Yes, uh, because yes, yes. there's no point in just calling each other out as enemies uh, of the state or of the people. I think uh, it needs all three hands in this case to clap. Uh, but I think we have a long way to go before these hands clap because of various various interests that are that are always at play. Because at the end of the day, it's politics that we are talking about and power that we are talking about, and it's not simple. Uh, but in Goa, we will see very soon uh, what happens in the election. It's usually always a majority that's cobbled together. Uh, but as Claude has said, uh, mining is a very important issue. But uh, perhaps in this election, like every other, despite being so important, it is not uh, a significant issue to determine the fate of political parties because all of them are on the same page as far as mining is concerned. I think there's a lot of food for thought there uh, in terms of where participatory politics needs to go in India and, and what grassroots movements need to do in order to ensure that their message is spread widely and more effectively. And I think the Goa Foundation is a great example of doing that. And I'm delighted, uh, Claude, that you could join us today uh, for this really invigorating chat. Let's see what happens in the elections. But thank you very much for joining me today. Time for Clatter, our weekly quiz that's a bit tougher than CLAT. Last week, I asked you about the technology underlying cryptography and the case in which the right to use cryptography was upheld in the US in the face of restrictions imposed by the government. The correct answer is Bernstein versus DOJ, where the US Court of Appeals ruled that the printed source code for cryptographic algorithms and systems was free speech. The winner is an old friend, Pranay Modi. Pranay, congratulations. A free subscription for Disney Plus Hotstar is on its way to you. This week's question, we're talking about Goa. So what is the link between the Portuguese civil code that is operational in Goa and Hari Vishnu Kamath, a member of India's Constituent Assembly? What's the link between the Portuguese civil code and Hari Vishnu Kamath? Write in with your answers to justify at vidhilegalpolicy.in like Pranay, an exciting gift is on its way to you if you get it right. Since this episode was about Goa, here is one of my favorite songs, a coming of age song that is set in the beautiful state. Enjoy the song, stay safe, adjourn. <laughs>
If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Vidhi underscore India for regular updates. We are on SoundCloud and Spotify as Vidhi Center for Legal Policies podcast. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts or iTunes. Email us at justify at vidhilegalpolicy.in to share your comments and feedback on this episode.